It's Tuesday, April 28th. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. The White House has put out new guidelines for how states should ramp up testing around the country. We'll tell you what these new guidelines actually mean for states. Then we've talked about the legislation Congress is passing to help the country heal, but another important federal body is also coming to the rescue. We'll tell you how the new moves by the Federal Reserve could help you. We're here to make your evening smarter. Let's skim this. This episode is brought to you by The Laundress. Okay, the COVID-19 pandemic is a rapidly changing story with lots of moving parts. And we're going to help you sort out what exactly you need to know, starting with the three big developments of the day. Today, we're releasing additional guidance on testing to inform the states as they develop their plans for a phased and very safe reopening. That's President Trump at the White House yesterday. You see, more and more states are announcing their plans to reopen businesses and get people back to work. But experts say a smooth transition depends on more testing. So we don't have a second wave of infections. And that the federal government needs to step in to help. So yesterday, Trump said he was on it. We're deploying the full power and strength of the federal government to help states, cities, to help local government uh, get this horrible plague over with and over with fast. The goal is to help states be able to test at least 2% of residents, especially essential workers and other vulnerable populations. But the states have to get into the driver's seat. They have to be developing and implementing their own testing programs. The federal government's full power and strength will mostly go toward publishing guidelines and sharing best practices. According to these guidelines, when it comes to supplying more tests, the federal government should only be seen as a, quote, last resort. Which means, ultimately, the responsibility is on the states, many of which have already been struggling to get the resources they need to respond to the pandemic. And that brings us to our second headline of the day. The Federal Reserve, a.k.a. the Fed, and its big loan to states and cities. Remember, the Fed is the U.S. central bank in charge of keeping the economy stable. And since the economy has been really struggling during the pandemic, the Fed's taken a number of steps to help. One of them is that it's been buying up lots of corporate and municipal bonds. Basically, it's buying debt to keep the markets functioning. The second thing the Fed is doing is injecting a ton of liquidity into the market, which means they're giving banks more loans so there's more cash available. And the third big thing the Fed has done is it's cut interest rates twice to nearly 0%. So it costs us less to borrow slash pay back a loan. The Fed has been seriously busy, and it's meeting today and tomorrow for a regularly scheduled status check. But ahead of that, the Fed announced last night it's making another big move. It's expanding loans for states and cities. It was already planning on giving loans to some states and cities, but now it's lowered the bar so more cities can get in on the cash. Now, it'll lend up to $500 billion to counties that have more than 500,000 residents and cities that have over 250,000 residents. Because cities and states have been hit hard. Closed local businesses can't share their tax revenue. Unemployment is high and healthcare costs are soaring. And lawmakers on Capitol Hill have been debating whether to send more cash to states to help out. But if you're living in a city or state that's been hit hard by COVID-19, 
the local economy's health is really important for any hope of recovering from this crisis. So the Fed's trying to do what it can to send out a lifeline. Which brings us to our third big story of the day. Late last night, JetBlue Airways announced that starting on May 4th, all passengers have to wear masks that cover both their nose and mouth. This might sound a little surprising that this is only just happening now. Recently, airlines have been feeling the pressure from both pilots and flight attendants to do more to keep passengers and crews safe and to follow CDC recommendations encouraging people to wear cloth face covers in public. According to Reuters, the Airlines Pilots Association reported that three pilots from the union have died after contracting COVID-19, and at least 250 members have tested positive. Before this announcement, and as the outbreak got worse, a lot of airlines were making some moves to make flights safer, like suspending drink and snack services, ramping up sanitation procedures, and blocking middle seats so passengers can be more physically distant, even if that's under the recommended six feet. Sort of like a something's better than nothing kind of plan. But now, if you're planning to fly in the near future on JetBlue, ideally for essential travel only, be ready to wear a mask at check-in, when you get on and off the plane, and throughout the duration of your entire flight. Although children who are too small to wear a mask don't have to. JetBlue is the first airline to make this a requirement for passengers. Other airlines like American and Delta either recommend or hand out masks, but wearing them is only a requirement for their employees. These measures matter because right now, airlines are considered essential businesses. But as one of the hardest hit industries, they're still in crisis mode. And how healthy this industry is throughout the pandemic and after could impact the next time you're likely to hear, passport and boarding pass, please. Like we said, there's a lot happening right now. To keep up to date on the latest news about COVID-19, head over to theskim.com slash COVID updates. Earth Month is coming to an end, but there's still time to spread love for Mother Earth at home. An easy way to do that is with The Laundress. They make effective laundry and cleaning products that are eco-friendly, plant-based, and cruelty-free. Start with their home cleaning bestsellers kit. It comes with surface cleaner, glass cleaner, and more to help you take the best care of the things you love. P.S. Skim This listeners get 25% off. Learn more at thelaundress.com slash theskim. Okay, we're pressing pause on the latest developing stories to talk about why everyone seems to be making sourdough bread lately. Since the pandemic started, um, visits to my blog have increased 10 times what they are normally. That's Hannah Dela Cruz. She's a baker in Las Vegas who you might know from her Instagram account, at Make It Dough. Cruz says she started making sourdough a few years ago, when she left her job and needed some structure in her life, something a lot of us are probably craving right now. Soon, her experiment in sourdough became something more. Learning about sourdough, I think, changes your relationship with food and the way that your food is produced. To make sourdough bread, you need a starter. It's a roundabout way of making bread rise without yeast. It's very simple, but also very complicated, I would say. To start a starter, all you have to do is combine water and flour in a jar and just wait. That's when the magic happens. There's so many intricacies that are going on within that jar from the life that's building up within it that that gets kind of complicated. See, a starter can't make bread on day one. 
for around two weeks, you've got to keep discarding most of your starter each day and then feeding what's left of your little microbiology experiment with more flour and water. That's how your starter grows up and is eventually strong enough to make dough rise on its own. Make sure you've got enough flour for this, but if you do, buckle up. Sometimes it can smell sweet like yogurt or it can smell like beer, which are familiar scents to us. But sometimes it could smell like acetone or cheese, things that are super pleasant. But unless it grows mold or, you know, you cook it, it's not dead. So just keep going. Along the way, you can actually make things with your discarded starter, like adding it to pizza dough or brownies. And then with a mature starter, the world is kind of your oyster. And Cruz thinks by that point, this weird skill you picked up during quarantine will probably stick with you long after the crisis is over. I think definitely it's not a fad. It's been around forever. I think human beings are who we are because we discovered the ability to make something huge and amazing out of flour and water to be able to feed a lot of people. So I love that people are kind of getting back into this and um, getting back into that tradition. No matter your situation, sometimes you just need to press pause. And every week, we send out an email with some of our favorite things to help you take a break. To sign up, head on over to theskim.com slash press pause. Hey, I'm calling shout out my little brother DJ and all the other ROTC and Service Academy cadets who will be commissioning virtually over the next couple of weeks. I know this isn't how you imagine you would start your career, but it's still such a special and important moment. We love you and are so proud of you for answering the call to serve our country. I can't wait to see where your career takes you. Good luck. And that's all for Skim This. Remember, we want to hear your shout outs. Maybe it's a message for a friend working on the front lines of the COVID-19 pandemic or a loved one who you can't physically meet up with right now. Give us a call at 646-461-6370 and leave us a voicemail. For more updates throughout the day, follow us on Instagram at The Skim. 